Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Arieh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. Up to on page seven. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has not made me a slave. Thank you, Hashem. You did not make me a servant. We're talking about a Canaanite servant. This is not about looking down at anyone. Abraham had a Canaanite servant. You know what his name was? Eliezer. Eliezer was his right-hand man. Abraham trusted him with everything, all of his possessions. He ran everything for Abraham. He was the one who taught Abraham's teachings to the whole world. He even wanted Abraham, Isaac's, Abraham's son Isaac to marry his daughter. The Torah protects a servant, a Canaanite servant. He can't do any bodily harm on a Canaanite servant. If he do any bodily harm, he goes free. The Canaanite servant escapes from his master one of the 613 mitzvot is he's not allowed to return him to his master. He's free. The Canaanite servant was someone who converted to Judaism voluntarily. This is his way of becoming part of the Jewish people. But he's not 100% part. He has the status of a servant that he can't marry a Jew. But he becomes obligated in all 613 mitzvot, the same mitzvot that a woman is obligated. So he has to go through the whole conversion process. He goes to the mikvah circumcision. He's like, he becomes part of the Jewish people, and if not, you have to set him free. You can't keep him. So the whole idea of a Canaanite slave is not we needed Lincoln to come and to free slaves. Our concept of slaves and servants was a whole different concept. We're not talking about the same thing. As a matter of fact, this week's Torah portion, the very first mitzvah the Torah discusses is how you deal with a servant. There it's talking about a Jewish servant. Why the very first mitzvah after the giving of the Torah, they just left Egypt, Hashem gave them the Torah, the very first mitzvah that Hashem is discussing in great detail, the Elam Mishpatim is the laws of a servant and a maid, which is so far-fetched. In the desert, no one needed a servant. Every Jew left Egypt with 90 donkeys loaded with, with gold and silver and copper and all the riches of Egypt. So this wasn't applicable till. They entered into the promised land many years, decades later. Why is this the opening line of the very first mitzvah the Torah discusses? And one of the answers is because this is the measure of a society. You want to know what a society is all about? Look how they treat the poor, the least significant. Those societies that have caste systems that look down have systems where they look down on the simple person. You see the comments of some of our politicians that are being exposed lately, the disdain, the arrogance, how they speak of the simple people in the society, dripping with disdain and arrogance. It just shows that they're totally corrupt and decadent and rotten to the core. This is a sign of a genuine person, of a kind person and a kind society is how they treat the most vulnerable person in that society. A just society that's based on God, where all men are created equal, which is basically a, a, a Jewish concept, a biblical concept, we're all created in the image of God, 
even though we're as unequal as it gets, then no two people are equal. But we mean equal in the sense of inherent value, that every human being created by God has an inherent value, and you treat every person with respect, even the most vulnerable, the most seemingly insignificant, instead of the disdain that the arrogant and the so-called elite talk about, the simple, dismiss half of the country and dismiss people who are not in their... If you want to know what a society is, you know, when you date, they tell you, look how your date is going to treat the doorman. Because that's how they're going to end up treating you. You can be very charming. You can put a, put a, you know, you pull out the charm and make a very good impression. But the person is not a mensch. You want to know what a, a person who's a mensch is nice to everyone. Nice to the secretary. Nice to the doorman. You know, it's interesting, the Secret Service wrote a tell-all book because they live with the president 24-7. So they know the presidents from the inside out. Certain presidents they loved, certain, certain presidents, our recent presidents, they hated them with every fiber of their being, every bone in their body, because they were so arrogant. The real people, the real presidents, who were real mention, like Reagan, he was a mensch to everyone. He treated them with such respect. Their wives, he, t- he took an interest in their wives, they took care of them. They just treated them with respect. They were just mentioned. Versus other presidents, I don't want to mention their names, were just disdainful and arrogant and like, you're nobody, you know, who are you? I'm the president and you're, you're, you're just here to serve me. You know, you're my slave. It just shows what rotten, corrupt human beings they were. That the power got to their head. Life is not about power. A just society is not about power. A just society is where everyone is truly treated with dignity. Even the Canaanite slave is treated with dignity. And that's the sign of a just society. That's why the Torah is teaching us right at the right, the first thing is about the servants. How you treat the servants, this tells me if you got Mount Sinai or not, if you understood what this is all about. This is a godly society that we're creating. It's not about a hierarchy. Who's more powerful and who's, who's richer and who's more powerful and who's... It's not about power and it's not about... It's about every human being created in the image of God. Every human being living up to their godly potential. The tremendous respect and dignity they have to treat all of God's creations. If you have a genuinely godly and just society, Versus if it's an egotistical society. It's all about power, money, power, fame, arrogance, control. So we're not putting down Canaanite servants. What we're saying is, the Canaanite servant is not obligated to fulfill all 613 mitzvot. So we're thanking Hashem that He did not make me a Canaanite servant. So even though the Canaanite servant is a, is like a convert, it's not like the goy. That's why it's the second blessing. First blessing is we thank God He didn't make me a goy who doesn't have the 613 mitzvah. I have the 613 mitzvah. I have the opportunity to connect with the divine. But the Canaanite servant also is a convert, also is obligated to do all the mitzvot, except the mitzvah that a woman is exempt. So he doesn't have all 613 mitzvot. So we say, thank you, our God, that He didn't make me a Canaanite servant. Again, why do you have to say it every day? It's enough you say it once. I was born. I was born a free person. I was not born a Canaanite servant. But again, what we mean is also that at night, 
when your soul ascended in heaven, and when you had the 60th of death, and there was a void, that you didn't attract that soul, that energy of a Canaanite servant, which is not the same level and the same energy of a full-fledged and free Jew. Also, what we're thanking God is, we're praising God, that He didn't make me a servant, that I'm not a servant to my addictions, I'm not a servant to my urges. What makes a person free? A person who's free is someone who doesn't follow every urge and every instinct. People who follow their urges and instincts, they're not free. I'm an American, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. That's not a free person. When Moshe told Paro, let my people go so that they shall serve me. Who is free? Only when they accept the Torah, then they become free. Just to be free, materially free, freed from Egypt, Moshe wasn't a labor leader. Just freeing the Jewish people from labor from Egypt, that doesn't make a person free. It's only when they accepted the Torah that they became morally free. They were able to free themselves from their urges and instincts and from their baser desires and you're able to impulse control and able to have the discipline to overcome all that harsh and negative egotistical characteristic traits. Then you become a free person. But a person who just follows every urge and every instinct, this is the way I'm created, these are my genes, and this is my destiny, and I have to be, I have to, because this is my urge, and whatever I desire, I have to follow. I want to be free to do as I please? No. That's not freedom. That's servitude. What people call today freedom, it's slavery. We tell a child, you know, you decide one day you want to be a man, you want to be a woman, decide whatever you want. This, this, is, this is not freedom. This is, this is cruelty. This is, this is servitude. Instead of teaching a person to rise above your instincts. Because God created this world, the world of nature. The world of nature is very, is very mediocre. It's what you do with nature. Then you can create something that's really worthwhile world of nature is nothing. To get a piece of bread, a nourishing piece of bread, you have to go through 11 steps. You have to work very hard to transform, to get from the seed, to get to a piece of bread. You have to work very hard. You have to go through steps of processing nature. What's nature? Nature is mediocrity. Nature is nothing. It's what you do with the nature. To take leather hide of an animal and to turn it into fine silky, leather, something that's valuable, something that's useful, something that's beneficial. You know how hard you have to work to transform that leather hide, to turn it into fine, smooth leather, to take metal and to turn that into a fine car. You know how hard you have to work, you have to shape it and you have to, how much processing you have to go through. A person, a human being who says, I want to be natural. Natural is mediocrity. That's servitude. That's not freedom. All the people we admire, the athlete we admire, 
who, who seems so gracefully and at ease, and he does these amazing things in the courtyard, so at ease. You don't see all the hard work that goes into it. You know how many hours that athlete put in, how many decades of his life, years and hours, working so hard to polish his ability, the athlete, or the, the Olympics, you know how hard they have to work, and it makes it seem so graceful and so easy and so smooth. Anything, an author, a classical book that people are reading hundreds of years later, you know, you know how that author, how hard that author worked in writing that book and writing and writing and writing all of his life, every day of his life, to produce such a masterpiece? Nature? Nature's mediocrity. So to teach children today to be natural? Follow every urge? Follow every instinct? Every base instinct? Every immature psychosis and every immature concept or whatever you want to desire and that becomes, that's freedom, that's servitude. Thank you, Hashem, for not making me a slave. You taught me not to be a slave to my desires. You, you gave me true freedom to rise above nature, to change my nature. Impulse control. Overcome my urges. Overcome it. Only then do you become human. Only then do you discover the divine within you, your true potential. Only then could your soul soar. Only then is your life meaningful with purpose, with godly purpose. Otherwise, you reduce your life to nothingness. Thank you, Hashem, for the set of values that you gave us. Shaloya, Sani, Ovid. Not like all those around me. Psychology 101 that preaches this total surrender. No, thank you, Hashem, for not making me a slave, for allowing me to see the value in conflict, overcoming my natural self. And only then do I shine, do I sparkle. Does my life have meaning and purpose? On a deeper level, Hasidah says, we say in the beginning of Ethics of Our Fathers, Antigna Shisaychi says, don't be like servants that serve their master in order to receive a reward but serve Hashem without seeking any reward. So Hasidah says that pras means to get a, a peace, to get a reward, to get a little peace. In other words, don't serve Hashem, because serving Hashem could also be self-serving. I want to connect with God. Lord, get me high. What does being, being spiritual, it does something for me. It's fulfilling, it's satisfying. I feel spiritual. It feels ennobling. It's, so, yes, you're serving Hashem, but it's really, you're serving yourself. You like what God does for you. It's like when you love someone, you truly love them, or no, I like what being in love with you does for me. <laughs> I like what being in love with God does for me. It's, 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 it's nice. I'm in love with God. It's, it's, it's uplifting. It's inspiring. It's, it's something worthwhile. So I'm connecting with God, but also on a very superficial level. It's about me. It's about my prize. It's about what I can get from it. I can connect with God. It's f fulfilling for me, for my soul. It beats other forms of self-fulfillment. It's not material self-fulfillment. It's not about ego. It's not about money, power, fame, honor. 
It's about being spiritual. But spirituality, in a way, could be the ultimate ego trip. It's about me. I find it fulfilling. It's so meaningful and so deep and so inspiring. Versus when you truly serve Hashem without any ulterior motive. I serve Hashem because I want to connect with Hashem. That's why the soul is compared to a candle. A flame is the only thing in this, in this physical world. Everything in this physical world is about self-preservation, continuing your ego, continuing your existence. The tree wants to extend its existence. The animal wants to live another day. The human wants to extend its existence, expand its existence. It's all about self-preservation. From the amoeba on up, everything is about self-preservation. What's the exception? The candle. The candle is ready to extinguish itself. It, it jumps up. You have to force it down. You have to force it to hold it down. Otherwise, the candle just leaps. It wants to, wants to extinguish itself. It's not about self-preservation. It just wants to disappear. It wants to be absorbed in its source. You put a little flame next to a huge torch, the flame will leap and become absorbed in the torch and lose its existence. The godly soul, its nature is, it's completely egoless. It's not looking. It's not about me. It's all about Hashem. The godly soul is God-centered, not ego-centered. Not even spiritual ego. It's God-centered. God, what do you need and what do you want? And what's my mission for you and what can I do for you? And what are you? It's not about me at all. That's what he means. Don't be like a servant that's serving Hashem and your service of Hashem is self-serving. Your service of Hashem should be genuine, should be on a, on a, on a higher level, should be for Hashem's sake, not for my sake. That's the highest form of serving Hashem. So we thank Hashem and we ask, we draw down that energy. We're drawing down. The blessing means to draw down. We draw down that energy and asking Hashem, He should empower us and give us that ability that our service of, of Hashem shouldn't be like a servant. It should be the way it should be. Not like a servant that serves. I'm not the Kabbalah process, as Antiquus Yisrochus says in the beginning of Ethics of Our Fathers. But I'm not thinking about myself. I'm not thinking about, I'm thinking about Hashem Himself. I'm not thinking about revelation. Mm-hmm.